0: Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain and healing. I'm your host Sarah De Keeley, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will speak about the importance of building a trusting relationship with yourself and with life and how committing to this practice can have a significant impact on our health, well-being, and how we experience life as a whole. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of this podcast. In this episode, I'd like to focus on the topic of trust. And the reason for that is because it's been such a big topic in my life. Everything I've done has required trust, trust in myself, trust in life. And in time, I've started to notice that pretty much everything comes down to trust and faith and so I wanted to talk a bit about this because I feel that it's such an important topic and you know if you look at the society that we live in there's a lot of value that's put on staying in control and creating a life that's always organized structured and planned and this is something that can often leave us quite stressed depressed at times, helpless and so the reason that we end up getting caught up in this has a lot to do with, you know, our upbringing, the way we were parented, the cultural messages we receive, and our culture in general is quite yang-oriented. And if you listen to my previous podcast episode called "Following Your Heart," I speak briefly about the yin and yang. Um, energies and how they exist within us and they exist in this you know, universe that we live in, that duality that exists and how in Eastern teachings they often promote living a balanced life. But we tend to lose this balance from a young age. We're taught to make sure that we get good grades, make sure that we do well at school, that we choose a career path that leads to success and that we are perceived a certain way, that we act a certain way and so when you don't meet every one of these items or requirements on this perfect and in control list it can often leave us feeling quite overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. So Trust is both an emotional as well as a logical act. Um, it's where we decide whether to expose our vulnerability in the belief that it won't be taken advantage of and where we assess the probabilities of loss and gain and decide whether we want to invest in something yet to be guaranteed. And this is a little line from my book, Coming to Life, where I have a little subchapter um, on trust the topic of trust and faith. So a few common universal, I guess, behaviors and traits that tend to undermine our ability to trust ourselves fully is when we have a hard time recognizing, understanding and believing our innate value and worth. So when we accept the negative self-rejecting messages that we received in childhood or by culture, then um, Yeah, that that just shows that it's really hard for us to trust ourselves when we have to constantly prove ourselves or we feel that we have to prove ourselves and our value to others and control everything around us so we can feel safe. Minimizing and denying our own needs or comparing ourselves with other people, not really being able to find our own voice and breaking promises that we make to ourselves or failing to keep the commitments and the agreements that we've made you know with ourselves and other people or finding it difficult to finish what you start i know i used to really struggle with this holding on to anger resentment jealousy speaking negatively you know about yourself or about other people and just denying and minimizing our power of choice or our power in general these are i guess few signs that show you that you don't really trust yourself, you don't really trust life. And so according to Eric Erikson's initial theory of the stages of development, trust versus mistrust, which is that infancy stage, when infants are resolving their feelings of uncertainty about the world, is the world a safe place to live in, or is it filled with accidents waiting to happen? So if the care of the baby at that period of time during, you know, as infants is consistent, reliable and loving, then what happens is that the baby will more than likely be able to develop a sense of trust that supports its relationship um, or you know, its relationship with the world as well as itself and other people. So Erickson wrote that success during this initial stage of development will lead to the virtue of hope that will support the child in developing a sense of trust for life, no matter what crisis that arises. So this child will grow up with a sense of knowing that no matter what happens, people will be there for me as a source of support, even if it's a stranger. However, if a child's emotional as well as physical needs are not fully met or were not fully met, they will fail To attain the virtue of hope and instead develop a sense of fear and mistrust for life from a young age. So for me, if I speak from my own personal experience, when I was a child my physical needs were mostly met. I was fed daily, I had toys to play with, I had a comfortable bed to sleep in, but the care that I was being given on an emotional level was inconsistent. My parents had relationship issues and challenges right from the first year of their marriage and from the moment I was born I could sense that my nervous system picked up on the fact that I wasn't going to be safe or I wasn't safe or something was going on, something was wrong. Because if you think about what really matters to children, it always comes down to two things and that is that my parents are okay and I matter. And so I pretty much you know, lacked that confidence and as a result of this I started to develop a sense of mistrust about the world. Obviously other challenges continued to take place and worsen between my parents and the culture I grew up in, the environment I was in, that reaffirmed this belief that I'm not safe in this world. I started to develop high levels of insecurity, fear, anxiety and doubt about life and my relationship with myself and other people and of course because our nervous system is so connected to our environment it doesn't matter you know what you know, what you don't know, what age you're at you're gonna get impacted by that environment. So as an adult I started to project these emotions into my friendships, my affiliations with colleagues, within my romantic relationships I would either attract unreliable and emotionally unavailable people who would prove to me the negative beliefs that I'd taken on as a child were right, or I would meet loving, kind, loyal people that I wouldn't trust no matter how much they loved me, no matter how much they tried to prove their love to me. So this cycle of mistrust led to a lot of suffering I had to really learn to build a healthier relationship with myself and with life. And this is obviously a journey and I'm still doing that. I'm by no means immune to what it means to be human and to be faced with the various challenges in the chapters of life. So it's an ongoing thing, but I really had to start that process to even get to a place where I could have this business, right, to, I mean, the whole work that I do and working for myself as an entrepreneur is a constant dance and relationship with trust, right, with the concept and the definition of trust, trusting life, trusting that it will be provided, that, you know, I I don't really have this approach to my business which is very much based on marketing, and manipulating and getting in people's faces to try to get them to come my way so I could you know so I can lead them that way because I don't really believe in that approach I really um, stand for conscious femininity and the approach of you know that Yin approach of really allowing the right people to come to find me and Whatever it is that I have to offer in terms of wisdom and teachings and support and so on. And so, to start this process of getting to know myself, I really had to reconnect with myself. And for a lot of us, there's difficulty trusting in our instinct because of traumatic or difficult experiences that's made us lose trust in ourselves. And so, you know, if you've been gaslit, manipulated, if you've been taken advantage of, if you have had situations that just has left you completely shocked then you're, you're gonna feel that you can't trust your own opinion or views, you can't trust other people. You might start to constantly second-guess yourself. So these experiences make it really difficult for us to build self-trust and that's why it really helps to start small and to work on reconnecting with yourself. So what that means is when you're in a situation where you feel indecisive, consider asking yourself, is this what I really want? And if you repeat this question often, you're gonna find that your inner voice, your inner knowing becomes more clear as you learn to, I guess, attune yourself to your wants, needs, and desires. And initially, that voice can be really subtle really small and you really do have to focus on starting small and focus on uh, you know on the little things because I find that sometimes when we when we do the opposite we tend to get completely lost <laughs> when we end up you know looking for answers on the outside or reaching out for several Therapists and coaches, and several books, and several podcasts, and constantly jumping from one to another. Then, um, as much as that can sometimes be great for distraction and inf- information gathering, I, it still can really lead you astray. So you end up not really getting to know who you are and what suits and resonates for you at, you know, whatever particular time you're in um, or whatever chapter you're in, in your life. So what I had to do was reduce, you know, reduce a lot of what I was um, consuming and focus on turning, turning inwards, um, turning inwards and tuning inwards because you really want to get to a place of connecting with yourself. And that's when it becomes easier to build personal boundaries. You know, learning how to say no even when all the opinions around you are saying something different especially family or friends and even social media if you think of the amount of messages we receive on social media about how we should live and what we should eat and what we should use and what's bad and what's good so personal boundaries are really you know a great way to distance ourselves from harmful actions and relationships and it's also a great way to become better at trusting yourself and trusting life. So another thing that really helps us build trust is self-compassion. And so self-compassion is not just this word that we throw around. It really is a practice and it suggests that we give compassion to a self that is a single entity, you know, that is something that actually exists and lives within us. So in ifs therapy we talk about the self that you know is is beyond the other parts the protective parts to develop from within so parts are clusters of thoughts emotions behavior that often form in childhood so we can have an anxious part we can have the controlling part we can have um uh, a fearful part, we can have a part that is incredibly critical, judgmental. And so we have these hidden parts that carry the burden of scary and difficult emotions like shame, fear, hurt and grief. And in turn, these parts, they end up acting as protectors to keep us safe from feeling those emotions again even though we actually continue to feel them so they keep us in line you know these protectors these parts they they keep us in line Um, they put up walls and they kind of become these parts of us that are constantly obsessively thinking and problem solving to try and control situations especially when a part gets triggered, it tends to take over. And so we can't really see outside of the worldview of that part. So example, um, when my you know um, anxious part, let's say, is triggered, I feel unworthy or I feel scared. Um, when my you know ashamed part is triggered, I feel you know very similar like I'm not good enough or when um, my you know arrogant part is triggered I become convinced that people are bad or wrong or I'm better or I know better or um, you know if my critical part take, gets triggered I feel like I can't do anything right so we kind of get caught up in these storylines of our making and this is not beneficial for our you know well-being it's not beneficial for that state of relaxation that nervous system repair which is what we really want to be living in so we need to use and practice compassion to relate to our parts in a loving and accepting way compassion doesn't just come from a part as such it comes from that self right from the core that self our buddha nature our higher self our true nature our deeper the deeper i for example like Eckhart Tolle calls it so when we relate to a trigger within us from a place of compassion we become the observer of the part so we disidentify with that part and instead of completely letting that part become all of you and take over you can observe that part right so instead of saying i am hurt you can kind of say i am noticing a hurt part in me is getting very loud right and so in order to work with these parts we have to first use compassion and mindfulness practices to notice that we're triggered. And this is why somatic therapy, somatic body work, somatic exercises in general are just so helpful because we can start to build a relationship with our body and tune into our body's messages such as shaking hands or elevated heart rate or constriction in the body and then we can kind of step outside of the of the symptoms that we're experiencing and just noticing observing oh I can see what's going on interesting my body is getting really you know charged in this moment and even naming the things that are happening within us so Compassion is important because we start to build a relationship with these, you know, wounded parts within us. Even a dialogue, preferably, which is a good practice to do. You know, noticing what's going on and kind of saying, I'm sorry you're hurting and I appreciate you're trying to help me, but you don't actually need to do that, I've got this. I can be with difficult emotions, I can be with pain. I can handle what's hard and difficult, what's uncomfortable. And so you become, you respond to the wounded part from a place of self, that that part, you know, that it's not a part, but the self that is that Buddha nature I was referring to you can reassure the parts the triggered parts from that place of compassion from that buddha nature within us so the next thing that's um also really important is setting reasonable goals right setting reasonable goals that are um exactly that reasonable and achievable because we need goals to improve the level of trust we have in ourselves so for example one of the things I've noticed is that I set a goal for myself to show up for this podcast initially I think it was every fortnight but then it became every month and then I kinda stopped showing up for it because everything else took over so I thought all right, what's a reasonable goal because I started to feel a bit yucky inside that I'm not honoring this, you know, this gift that I want to share with you and I'm not honoring this commitment that I've made for myself, for my business, for the people that I I'm supporting. And so I thought, all right, you need to look at what's reasonable, and that's what I started to do. I started to, and this is quite recent, by the way, <laughs> um, to look at how can I set smart goals so that um, are a bit more specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. So, for example, if you want to exercise more, then the goal of becoming stronger than everyone else is actually not a good goal, right? Or the goal of I'm going to go to the gym every single day can sometimes not be the best goal if you haven't done that for a long time. So changing this into a more achievable SMART goal, which again stands for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely, might look like strength training twice a week for 30 minutes each day, right? Um, Each time, I mean. So making your goals um, smaller than you think you need to and developing momentum, consistency. Consistency is how we build self-trust. There's another way that we build self-trust. So as you start to um, reach your goals and achieve them, then you start to feel a sense of, you know, um, I guess your self-trust will improve. You, you start to feel a, a sense of confidence. The next thing that really contributes to our ability to trust life is to spend time in solitude spending time alone i love spending time alone i used to avoid it you know so much before whereas now i love my alone time and the reason that most of us are afraid to be alone is that it brings up feelings of discomfort and loneliness so these are again coming from those wounded parts within us. And the more we try to avoid and distract, the louder they will get. So I'm not referring to loneliness and isolating yourself because that's not good for our mental health. You know, we're social beings we need to interact, we need to have relationships and these relationships, whatever they are of nature, act as a mirror for us. I'm referring to solitude. So alone time is a form of solitude and it helps us work out, what do I need, what do I prefer, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. It gives you time to make decisions that feel right to you without being influenced by other people. It it gives you time to reflect, to, you know, connect with your wounded parts, to connect with your body, to connect with your mind and with this essence or soul or energy whatever you want to call it that exists within us so things like going for nature walks without having to listen to podcasts and you know filling your mind with information but just really being present going for walks and being present visiting a new place you know working on a hobby sometimes just even lying on your couch and looking at the sky If you're outside or breathing and listening to just a beautiful relaxing music if you're inside. So it's not about um, getting onto social media and scrolling and doing activities that distract you and dissociate you because that's not helpful. What we want to focus on is connection with self. So alone time can be really activating for people with a trauma history. I know for me I just really have not enjoyed being alone or I mean I didn't for a long time I do now and it was because it was triggering so many strong and powerful feelings within me that I had been dissociated from that I would do anything to avoid and distract myself from and I had to just practice having little frequent moments of solitude for myself even taking a bath you know and closing your eyes and just being in that relaxing environment and just being with yourself so solitude is important Um, and the other thing that i started doing in my solitude was to actually journal Because I find, I know not everybody likes journaling, but I find that journaling can be a really good way to get to know yourself better. And there are many ways to journal. You can journal to your parts. You can journal to the universe. You can journal to yourself. um, You can journal from yourself, right? So anything that helps you build that dialogue of compassion and reassurance. So, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's a researcher, lecturer, author in the field of neuroscience and neuroplasticity, um, measurements, epigenetics, mind-body medicine, brain-heart coherence, all that stuff. He highlights that neuroplasticity is about what you feel, not what you do which is why when we do have moments of solitude we need to focus on also the feelings that we want to embrace and embody because the brain doesn't differentiate between wanting to get rid of something and wanting to build something so the point of focus is always addressed with more stimulation not less which means that we can only build maps; we can't delete them. Wherever we focus we build So if you tend to doubt yourself, then the neural pathways and chemical neurotransmitters for self-doubt will constantly be stimulated and strengthened. However, if you were to practice finding feelings of stability and trust within yourself, then your steadiness neural pathways will be stimulated. So if you practice feeling at ease and safe within yourself, then the neural pathways for trust and safety start to get stronger and they start to build. So trust is what gives the bigger picture of our life meaning trust is what allows us to tap into joy without trust our ability to fully you know trust in the universe and it's divine love for us is limited right I mean some of you may not even believe that there is anything beyond this flesh and bone that we're in but I think if you're on this you know journey of healing and self-discovery eventually you will get to a place of realizing that there's more than what meets the eye you know we're not able to fully enjoy life and give from ourselves to other people from a place of love and abundance unless we believe that life universe something else that we're connected to this loving presence is a giving and loving place so trust allows us to give because that's when we believe that the universe is endless and plentiful which it actually is so we're at a time on our planet right now where life's challenges are somehow encouraging all of us to inject consciousness into everything we're doing without trust we're not really able to get into alignment with our bodies get into alignment with life we tend to struggle and fight and Want to control everything? We react to the things that don't go our way, and you know, when that happens, when there are these moments of immense difficulty and challenges, and I'm also wanting to acknowledge that some of those challenges are are just immensely overwhelming, such as the death of a loved one, or you know, illnesses and um, loss of any shape or form. They're really, really hard, hard challenges. But what we choose to do and how we choose to live shapes our life experiences and our world. And that means that we embrace um, the fact that nothing is permanent, the fact that life is a constant state of change, and we start to go with the flow. I love the teachings and um, the practices of Taoism, which is connected to the philosopher Lao Tzu who, around 500 years before Christ, wrote the main book of Taoism. And so Taoism holds that belief that, you know, human beings and animals should live in balance with the universe, with life. So a lot of the teachings of Taoism have to do with simplicity, patience, compassion, going with the flow, letting go, and harmony. So when nothing is done, nothing is left undone. If you realize that all things change, there is nothing you will try to hold on to. I really love these teachings of the Tao because they remind me that the only thing that is within my control is my perception, is you know, my choices, right? And sometimes we make choices that we think are good for us, but they end up not being the best choices. I understand that, but no matter what it is, I mean, gosh, I've made so many painful choices and decisions that I look back on and I think, what was I thinking? (laughs) But thanks to the commitment of staying on this healing journey, this path of returning back to love, no matter what life throws at me, No matter how loud, you know, this egoic voice in my head gets, I have become a better student of life and I've become better at going with the flow of life, of letting go, of embracing harmony and living my life more in harmony than ever before. I want to leave you guys with a little quote and it's by a really beautiful author called Gary Zukav and he writes, reality is what we take to be true. What we take to be true is what we believe. What we believe is based upon our perceptions. What we perceive depends upon what we look for. What we look for depends upon what we think. What we think depends upon what we perceive. What we perceive determines what we believe. What we believe determines what we take to be true. And what we take to be true is our reality. So I hope you can let that settle in for a moment. Because faith and trust go hand in hand. You can't trust in yourself nor in life unless you choose to have faith in yourself and in turn in life. And faith, having faith in life means to Get up every day and show up for life, show up for yourself, show up for other people. When you have faith in yourself, you have faith that this too shall pass, that better times are coming, that perhaps you're in a chapter that doesn't feel so great or that you're in a moment or in an hour that feels uncomfortable physically perhaps or emotionally, but that that will pass too and there will be a better moment. And so you kind of start to embrace the ups and downs and the highs and lows of life. So what many people consider faith is in fact expectations and projections that lead to disappointment. And so i rather we focus on faith not being a desire, but a will. So the will to continue, the will to stay on this healing journey to show up for the practices to show up for yourself and to show up for others okay everybody that's it for today thank you so much for tuning in if you're interested in working with me please visit mentalawakening.com.au if you love this episode please do subscribe and leave a review as it will help other people to access this information being shared here. I look forward to speaking to you all very soon. Until next time, take care everybody. Bye for now.